for today's podcast. Time to do a board meeting recap. Dr. Smith, thanks for joining us. You bet. So let's just jump in. Last night, we started the school board meeting with good news. And, you know, we've talked about this several times, but we actually had two things take place. The first thing was we brought down the North girls golf team and recognized them. And, you know, you look at them and you think there's just nice high school students sitting here and you forget just how extremely talented they are on the golf course. Absolutely. Those seniors have won the state championship three times during their high school career, which is unheard of. And Ken Wimpy reminded me beforehand, there's no class system with this. There's over 300 programs whittled down to 15. Just to make it to the top 15 is amazing. And to do what they've done uh, is just incredible for sure. I wholeheartedly agree. So yeah, it's very nice to be able to honor them. They even gave you an autographed hat with all of their signatures. I know that was uh, special special, for you. Yeah, to receive that. And then speaking of Ken Wimpy, he's their coach. Ken is officially retired in his day-to-day job. He's been the girls golf coach for some years now, a number of years, worked for us since the late 60s. And we did a surprise presentation for him last night. You want to tell us about that? You bet. My pleasure. Uh, we Every month, we recognize one of our 3,400 employees for the cause for applause. And uh, really was appropriate, I think, to recognize Ken last night. There are not many people in the entire state that can say that they were the coach for six state championships, really just in nine years. And then the career that he had prior to that classroom teacher, I think for 16, 17 years, and then administrator for, I believe, 27 years, a long time principal at, uh, at Oak Hill, where I think everybody knows him from just a phenomenal, uh, administrator, phenomenal teacher and a phenomenal human being. Definitely. And his wife was here. She's also a former EVSC employee. They've just been all in for EVSC for really forever, it seems like. So great to do that for him last night. Yeah, that was fun to do in front of his his girls golf team. Yes, definitely. Good timing on that. And then we'll just jump right into consent items, if you would. Certainly. Well, let's jump ahead then to item 2.02, which is consideration of allowance of payments and a little bit larger amount this time uh, with $17 million. But um, that is due to uh, actually two payrolls and then as well as uh, taking health insurance payments. So that's why it's a little bit larger than normal. Moving ahead then to item 2.03, and that's consideration of grant proposals. Uh, so Christy Haight, who's at T-Couple, submitted a grant uh, to Youth Resources. And then we also, I think folks are aware that we've had a long-standing partnership with Johns Hopkins University through their Everyone Graduates Center. So this is an opportunity to receive $5,000 to help uh, pay uh, teachers for stipends for their professional development that they will complete outside of regular EVSC hours. And then Carlotta Patterson, who oversees our extended daycare program, is uh, applying for a grant to Indiana's Office of Early Childhood and Out-of-School Learning. This is a grant that the state is offering to uh, extended day and early childhood providers uh, through their ESSER funding from the state or from the federal government. So it says up to half a million dollars over two years. that technically would be per site. We know that we will not receive anywhere close to that, but we are very, very grateful uh, for the opportunity to potentially 
receive some funding for those very important programs. And then the last grant that was approved by the board for submittal last night was for Holly Pate, who oversees our math curriculum, uh, to apply to IDOE for $30,000 to once again continue our implementation of the course, which is an Indiana Prime Transition course. Um, and this is a course that's offered at three of our high schools really for students who want some additional mathematics experience before they go on to post-secondary education. And then moving on then to item 2.04, which is the consideration to approve the petition to the Indian Department of Education for the Common School Fund Loan. Uh, we use this fund um, to support our technology needs. So the bulk of this funding, should we receive this funding, we go to purchase new teacher computers because they are at the end of their life. 2.05, consideration to approve the ratification of the natural gas fixed pricing agreement with Constellation New Energy Gas Division, LLC. This is something that we've been involved with really since the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission uh, required all uh, providers of utilities in Indiana in 2006 to lower the cost for natural gas for schools and other governmental entities. So um, we have benefited greatly from this. Uh, they've been a phenomenal partner for us. We basically are able to, they're a marketer and they purchase their uh, gas just as a commodity on the, uh, the NYMEX. So I think in the last three and a half years, we've uh, had savings that have accrued of over $700,000. So, And, you know, that's something a lot of people may not think about, but for a corporation our size, I mean, that is a huge cost savings if we can go about it the right way to purchase natural gas at the appropriate time. Absolutely. And as I said, they've been a great partner in working with Daryl Angermeyer and his folks. And so they are very attentive to the market. And we had a dip in natural gas prices. So we locked in our price for a year. So mm -hmm. uh, I think it's been well reported in news outlets that it's expected that natural gas prices are going to soar this winter. So we're going to be locked in at about uh, $4.75 approximately for the MMBTI or beat, uh, British Thermal Unit. Okay. So grateful for that. 2.06 consideration to re renew the agreement with Carver Community Organization. Those that are frequent viewers of this podcast know that we did approve an agreement with AARP Experience Corps uh, just or past board meeting, but uh, in reviewing this after Carver submitted that contract to us, they asked for us to actually approve this contract with them being the parent organization. So we were happy to do that. And then that wraps up consent items and takes us to personnel recommendations. And as you say, they're you can always check those out. I think pretty standard personnel report last night. It certainly is. So let's move ahead then to item 4.01, which is the public meeting regarding the tentative agreement with uh, our Evansville Teachers Association. And I know you were looking forward to sharing this good news because you, you feel like it's a long time coming. It certainly was. And in fact, I think I started my comments out last night that this could have been included in good news. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been well reported that school corporations across the state, but specifically EBSCs, really since 2009, have not been funded to keep pace with inflation. And as you run that out over the past decade and a few years, that amounts to over $100 million in funding that we did not receive 
just to keep pace with inflation. So uh, grateful that when the Indian General Assembly realized that they had $2 billion more than they realized they were going to have, uh, they really didn't know what was going to happen because of the pandemic. But fortunately, uh, the state coffers weathered the pandemic fairly well. Uh, so I'm grateful that the state did see uh, it fit to provide a, a significant boost in funding to K-12 education in Indiana. And so well-deserved because we're not just talking about attracting new talent. That's a huge part of it, but it's about retaining, too. You always say we've got to keep um, the quality educators we have, and certainly no school district in the state wants to risk losing their educators to other professions. So definitely glad to see some additional uh, monies come our way for this. Absolutely. So we were as you said, very pleased to be able to provide a historic increase for our teachers. Uh, this package over two years is worth uh, $9 million of new money for new salary increases for our teachers. So very Fantastic. pleased with that. So really, uh, I'm going to break this down and I'll do a very quick overview, but it, yeah. it really is. And we're going to pull up the slide deck yes. that you went through last night as well. So basically three main areas of change in the collective bargaining agreement. One would be salary schedule and structure. The second would be changes to retirement. And then the third would be changes to paid time off. So if we move on then to the next slide, you will see that the salary range now will go from 38000 to 75000 to a new range of 40000 to $80,500. And we were very, very happy to be able to propose these salary increases um, because it, it really is the right thing to do. And so, so much time, and I was able to see some of this, but definitely not, not all of it. So much time went into planning really weeks and weeks and months and months to put together the best potential package that we could possibly offer to our teachers. And I'll go ahead and add in now that we started working on this back in February. And Michelle Williams, who uh, oversees the certified staff of her HR in concert with Brian Perry, who's assistant superintendent for HR, worked tirelessly to get a salary schedule that was compliant with state law. Which is not easy to do. It isn't, unfortunately, and I know it really doesn't speak of common sense why uh, school corporations with local control cannot pay their teachers in the way that they see fit, uh, but there's a document put out by the Indiana uh, Education and Employees Relations Board, ERB, and it's a 15-page document, and pages 3 through 12 talk about how you can pay your teachers, not what but how and the constraints that you have and how you have to fit everything in. Um, I've, I've and, heard you brainstorm things you would like to do, and your next comment is always, now we have to check and make sure that we're even allowed to consider something like that, which is unfortunate. Right. Well, uh, it truly is, because if you will then advance to the next slide, you'll see that the placement's based on the current salary with one additional step. I'll, I'll go through some examples with that. The next slide then talks about career path one being a bachelor's degree and career path two being a master's. And it was very important for us to return to these career pathways because teachers want, and I appreciate them wanting to know what they will make in future years so that one can plan. And in this uh, provides for that. So we're grateful to be able to move back to two career pathways. We currently have nearly 300 different base salaries for 1,500 plus teachers, which is not the best. So Sir. on the next slide, you're going to see really what the career pathways look like. 
So once again, we started working on this in February. When we knew what the new funding mechanism was going to be, then we were able to put, uh, I don't know how many different iterations out of many. salary schedules, but they have to fit, <clears throat> excuse me, those nine pages of requirements that uh, are the interpretation of Indiana law in terms of how you can pay your teachers. So there are a lot of considerations. For example, when you look at Career Path 2, I really don't want to have that many different levels. As we look at the slide, I don't want to have that many levels. But we also, according to the law, have to provide equal pay increases for all of our teachers. So because of that, <laughs> uh, it really does stretch out how many different levels you have. I would prefer to cap the levels at, say, 17 or 18, which is what we had previously. This takes it up to about 26 or 27. We will look to see how we can tighten that up in subsequent negotiations, then make it still congruent with state law. But uh, those are just some of the dynamics that you have because we also have to build a sustainable model. Uh, so we cannot anticipate always receiving new money, so we have to certainly live within our means. So we truly do try to get a salary schedule that we can fund every year based upon retirements of teachers that are atop, at the top of the schedule and then bringing in uh, teachers that would be toward the beginning levels. So basically how this works now in this particular negotiated agreement if you take a teacher that, say, would have a current salary of $41,750, then the first step in the process is to place them at the next step up from their current salary. So a current teacher who, in this example, would be paid $41,750 would be placed at career path C, which would be $43,000. Then we are also going to advance every teacher up another level, which then would take this individual up to 44500 If this individual has earned a master's degree during a time when uh, state law really didn't acknowledge the importance of a master's degree or additional uh, training, uh, then we are able to actually slide them over on the 44-5 lane into career path two, which then takes their compensation from 44-5 to 46000 so in this particular example, an individual that starts out at 41750 then would move up to $46,000. And in that particular example, too, I know you feel really good about being able to go back to incentivize attaining that advanced degree, that master's degree, because many, many years ago, that was such a common thing for people to want to attain that. But when the state took away the ability to incentivize that, we did see a dip in people interested in, in receiving their master's. Well, absolutely. And actually, when I began teaching, the expectation, the requirement was that you would obtain your master's within 10 years. You had to start your master's, I think, within I think five. Within five, I believe so, Within yes. 10. And why this is so important for us, not only is it good for teachers, but it is incredibly beneficial for our students, specifically high school students. We want them to earn as many uh, concurrent credits as possible. So a concurrent credit is earning a high school credit for the class and also earning college credit for that same class. In order to do that, we have to have teachers, not that we want to, but that we have to have teachers that have their master's degree in their content area. So this is a way, once again, of incentivizing teachers to get that master's degree in their content area so that they can provide those dual or those concurrent credits for our high school students. So then moving on to the next slide, there also was 
an issue when the state law changed back in 2011. We actually had a, uh, a collective bargaining agreement that ran through 2014. But when that collective bargaining agreement ran out in 2014, then there was a problem because we had teachers that were accustomed to having a very large jump between years 14, 15, and 15, 16. That was no longer possible under the new state law. So we still have teachers that have struggled because of that from a financial perspective. So we're also going to do a retention salary catch-up for those that have been negatively impacted by that statutory change. So individuals that were employed by EVSC as of the 2014-15 academic year and still employed then would receive a catch-up amount. So we have 58 teachers that are going to receive upwards of $4,000 for that. We have 146 teachers that will receive an additional four to 6,000. 121 teachers that will receive an additional 6,000 to 8,000. And we have 20 teachers who will receive an amount in excess of $8,000 just for the catch-up. And actually of those 20, 3,000 will receive a 10,000 dollar increase uh, because they were the ones that were most severely impacted by that. So we are grateful to be able to do that. It's a long time coming. It does not make up for what they lost cumulative over the years, but this is our attempt to at least get them on a salary schedule uh, close to where they would have been had things not changed in the law. And then moving forward uh, to the next slide, you can see that uh, in the example that I set out previously, an individual that was making $41,750 would advance to the $43,000 level. However, if there was somebody that was making $42,750, they would only advance on that placement level $250 and then another $1,500 up the level for a total of $1,750. We wanted to establish that everybody, every teacher would receive a minimum of a $2,000 increase. So in order to make certain everybody does that, then we will provide a stipend up to that minimum of $2,000 to make sure in this first year of the agreement that everyone has a minimum of a $2,000 increase. Moving forward then to the next slide, um, I am so grateful for the teachers and their work in our Title I buildings. We're thrilled to be able to provide the 400 teachers that work in our Title I buildings an additional stipend of $1,500 for their work uh, in, in our Title I buildings. Um, that was very, very important to us to acknowledge the work that they do above and beyond, and we're grateful to be able to do that And that's that something, too, too, that's been talked about for a long time. It's really all of this that you're talking about. It's doing what is right for our employees um, to to reward them for all of their hard work and efforts. It's it's what they deserve. Right. And we actually had a stipend in a previous contract, but Herb said that that was not permissible because it went beyond the collective bargain agreement for that period of time. Uh, it was the right thing to do then. We found a better way to do it this way. Uh, so we're grateful to be able to do that. Moving on then, there are changes in the retirement um, options for teachers as well as sick day language. So when you look at this, um, we really had two different kind of retirement scenarios for teachers that were hired before 2004 and then teachers that were hired after 2004. This now brings the language all underneath one umbrella. The reality is um, that teachers that were hired after 2004 were not really incentivized to keep their days because at the end of their career, they were not paid out for their days. 
So this is a way for us to make certain that they can bank up to 183 sick days. And upon their retirement, they would be paid out for those days. Uh, additionally, in that last year of employment, uh, there was really no incentive for people to keep those days. So uh, all of our teachers received 12 sick days and three personal days a year. So now teachers in their last year of employment can actually uh, be compensated for 198 days at $70 a day. So that is a pretty nice check, and it's hopefully a way to incentivize our teachers to utilize those days wisely. Right now, unfortunately, there's kind of a mentality of use it or lose it. So um, that's not great for teachers, certainly not great for kids. Appreciate and value the, the work that our substitutes do for us, but I certainly want our classroom teachers in the classroom each and every day. So I think this is a win for our teachers as well as for our students. I think anybody listening, everything you've gone through with this uh, slide deck shows it, it all makes sense. <laughs> I don't think you've said anything that anyone would think that I don't understand that. I mean, everything you're saying, including sick days and, and incentivizing people to keep those days at the end so that they're in the classrooms, it makes perfect sense. Hope so. We simply want to be the employer of choice uh, because the work that our teachers and all of our staff members do is, I think, the most important work that takes place in our community. So then moving forward, uh, when we look at retirement language here, we just have specified really for staffing purposes when uh, we would like to have teachers notify us for when they're going to retire. Moving on then, looking at personal day language and sick bank leave language, both of those are really just clarifications of, of how those days can be utilized. And then finally, uh, I wanted to thank the members of the bargaining team uh, for the work that they did. As I said, I lifted up uh, Dr. Perry as well as Michelle Williams. Literally hundreds and hundreds of hours have been invested in this, making certain that we could put forward a package that was in the very best interest of our teachers uh, because we know that that is so important to all of us uh, in terms of this entity and what it is that we do and our core values of great people matter. For the first time, we finally had a significant increase in funding, and that's why we were able to provide this historic increase in teacher compensation, something that we were very happy and glad to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, appreciate you going through that for us. And I know then at the next meeting, uh, our board is scheduled to take action to formally ratify that contract because it was voted on and approved by the teachers. So uh, that's the next step in the process. Yes. And not only will we ask the board to vote and, and to approve the teacher contract, but also all of our other uh, contracts will be approved hopefully that night. And, um, I think it'll be a good day for our employees. And you know, with this, we spent some time on teachers at our next board recap podcast, and we can do a little bit of an overview too on all of our non-teach employees, which is about half of our workforce or slightly over that, because as you said, those contracts and agreements will be uh, formally approved at that time as well. Yes. Okay, let's move into information items then, if you would. Dr. Smith, Dr. Underwood was back for his monthly or quarterly uh, reports. So really, when you look at information item 5.01 all the way up through 5.06, those are the reports that are customarily taken. Um, the only exception to that is our self-insurance quarterly analysis. That's done on a quarterly basis. Everything else is provided on a monthly basis. We've gone through those many times before, but certainly um, happy to put those out for the uh, public's perusal of those documents. Then we look at item 5.07. This is simply an update to policy 5111. Uh, 
because there now is a requirement uh, in statute, and we have received guidance from the IDOE regarding how we maintain the verification of student residency. 5.08 really, I think, is reflective of continued change uh, for career and technical education. And as courses transition now, really, to the Governor's Workforce Cabinet Next Level uh, program of study. So some of the titles changed, but all of the course numbers changed. And uh, as those changes continue to come in, then we will ask the board to approve those changes so that everyone is on the same page. And then finally, item 5.09, you presented the school calendar uh, for the upcoming school year, and it really does mimic uh, the congruent dates for this particular school calendar year. Yeah, definitely very similar. And I think one of the key points is keeping in place because it's been so well received. That soft start at the beginning of the year really allows that relationship building and starts us on August 8th and puts the last day of school at May 24th with those high school commencements on the last three days. So, And as you said, very similar calendar within that. So uh, we're not going to send that out in mass yet because it does have to be formally then voted on. It was an info item last night uh, when the board takes action at the next meeting, but then certainly we'll push that out to all employees, all families, all students, because I know people are, really want to know the year and ahead schedule. So we'll get that out in two weeks. Sounds great. And that takes care of last night's board meeting, really a, a good board meeting, a lot of positive things at the beginning, positive with you sharing about the uh, teacher compensation information with that contract. So good board meeting, and we appreciate you going through it today, Dr. Smith. My pleasure. Take care.